electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, a deal or maybe no deal with new input from President Trump, the relief bill that took months to hammer out, maybe back to the drawing board. New York Times columnist Tom Friedman. This isn't just watching the sausage being made. This is just so suboptimal for a serious country in the middle of its worst public health crisis in its life. And mask wearing may be up, but a new viral mutation may test our diligence again. The months ahead with Dr. Atul Gawande. This viral mutation seems to drive a faster spread. The measures we normally take will be slightly less effective in stopping it. Those stories, plus shopping season, looked a little different this year. Head of Fanatics Michael Rubin says e-commerce converts might change the game forever. We definitely skipped ahead two or three years for from an e-commerce perspective. It's Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. Christmas Eve Eve. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is out today. Joe, I think this is the last day that you and I are both going to be here before Christmas. And I think that's why we both kind of put on our Christmas finest this morning. Right. Great minds. Since, like since, exactly. Right. Tomorrow we, uh, we won't have... Uh, an opportunity to, to fly our, or to show our colors. So here we are, uh, here we are today. Exactly. Looks nice. Here we are. Yeah. It's festive. It is. Um, Speaking of festive, it's good day. happy, fe- happy Festivus. Happy Festivus, too. Is that today? Fe- uh, no, it's good. <laughs> yes. No, but we won't be able to say that. Uh, right. Festivus for the rest of us. So, so I'm going to air a few grievances right. during the show. As, uh, that would be nothing new, though, would it? Oh, good. That would be unusual. <laughs> You're right. We have a de- uh, developing story on the stimulus front in a Twitter video last night, President Trump called the $900 billion COVID relief bill passed by Congress an unsuitable disgrace. He urged lawmakers to make changes to the measure, including much bigger direct payments, also cutting out some what he called wasteful spending. Well, they are now planning to send back to my desk is much different than anticipated. It really is a disgrace. I am asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. I'm also asking Congress to immediately get rid of the wasteful and unnecessary items from this legislation and to send me a suitable bill or else the next administration will have to deliver a COVID relief package and maybe that administration will be me. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, meanwhile, said Democrats will see if they can pass a measure for $2,000 in direct payments by unanimous consent. Uh, earlier yesterday, President-elect Biden called the $900 billion uh, package, in his words, a down payment, said more funding uh, would uh, be needed. This bill is just the first step, a down payment, in addressing the crisis, the crises, more than one that we're in. There's a lot more work to do. Early next year, I'm going to put forward to the Congress my plans for what comes next. You saw, Becky, they, they list, I mean, I saw some 
I don't know the, the, the total background on some of the, the money going to some foreign countries and some of, the, yeah. uh, some of the stuff that they find that seems really outlandish and outrageous. But if you add all it up, you might be able to get the 2,000. And it, it would be better it just on face value. I mean, knee jerk, you can say, I'd rather oh. have it going to people here then get it above 600 than some of the crazy you know, stuff. But, but you to know. say this now, you know, like <laughs> he had the chance. He chose not to get directly involved in the negotiations while they were taking place. He let Stephen Mnuchin do the talking for him. Stephen Mnuchin said he was happy with this bill. You're talking about something that has been months and months and months of waiting to see if they were going to do anything else. And you can blame both sides at different points for when they've slowed down and done it. But we thought at the beginning of this week that, OK, there's a deal that's finally done. I don't know if he's kicking this back to the starting line. You heard the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi immediately tweeted out and said, great, we're with them on the $2,000 per person. They want to do this vote today in the House to see if there's unanimous consent. Only one uh, congressional person right. would have to say no for right. that That's to get squashed. Yep. But again, you're talking about you're up against these dead, uh, these hard deadlines, and I, I, you know, like, you got to be kidding. Like, well, everybody's it, got a problem with this. Of I've heard AOC complain about the bill because she didn't get to read it. I've heard Ted Cruz complain about it. You, everybody has complained about this if you, bill. If people say you some of the stuff that's in there, some of the pork, some of the crazy pork. Instead of going up from 900 billion to get to 2,000, why don't you? Uh, there's millions and hundreds of millions of dollars in there that aren't going for COVID relief. Because you know how the sausage, you know how the sausage gets made on this. Every time somebody says no, I'm not going to vote for this, they promise them some stupid thing that say, okay, your project can get in here. And, and you're right. Is it is it the right way to govern? Probably not. But without it, is something going to get passed? Probably I think we could not. Use some of it I, I'm, not here. I'm not arguing in favor of it, saying that it's a great new, a great thing. But again, this is very late in the day. I think President Trump would have signed this bill on Monday, but because of the stupid rule where they want to put it on parchment again, it takes right. days to give that through. He had some time to think it through and think, okay, it's not the best bill. I agree. Well, you, There's all I kinds mean, of stupid stuff that probably bucks, shouldn't be in what, there. I mean, 600 bucks is better than nothing, but what's 600 bucks really going to do? 600 bucks is better than people? nothing, but you will also have a lot of people, including, you know, many Republicans that we've talked to have said, this should be targeted. It shouldn't be going to people who are still working. You know, if, if you want to give more money to right. people or to, to, to different industries that have been hard hit or to employees in those industries that have been hard hit, people who have lost their jobs, lost all of their income, that you should be giving more money to them and not to people who are continuing to work and get through this. Right. Look, well, you can have all kinds of arguments. It, it made a lot of sense, I think, to give direct payments to everybody, at least everybody under a, a certain income level. Right. Earlier this year, when things shut down so quickly and you wanted to make sure that the economy was stimulated, you've got to start wondering, it, it's a lot of money. You're still talking about almost another trillion dollars, which is how yeah. much of GDP, you know, like, what, what percent of GDP are we continuing to push in and yeah, the, you know, there's not. This is a time if you're going to be spending a lot of money. This is probably a time you'll hear people from both sides of the argue, aisle arguing that. But you'll also have people saying, "Look, if we're going to do this, let's make it targeted so that it makes the most well, impact." Well, it should be targeted, not targeted to pork. Targeted to pork. I mean, it, it, no, no one you're ever, right. You're no, right. no one it's, ever expects the government to say, "Okay, this stuff." We really got to just not mess around with the pork because this is for COVID. And we got, but they never do. And they still throw yeah. it all in there. Yeah. So that, that's just I, I, sausage. In an ideal they could make world, some, they make some, uh, some uh, Beyond Meat sausage that didn't go into the, you know, have all the disgusting <laughs> snouts and intestines that the normal sausage has in it. I mean, yeah, we don't want any tails. Tails, snout, knuckles. <laughs> okay. No, it's uh, I, I, 
everybody's right to complain about what's in this, except for we've had people who have come on this program and complained about the pork who are sticking pork back in it. I, I just, I, you're right. right. It's a disgusting sort of process. One but person's I, I, pork I, I, is I've yet to meet, so. like, this is an essential item for them. You know, you How about no pork from anybody? I, okay. But the, you uh, think they do it now, but they, they, they don't because we know how they work. You know, I, I mean, look, if we could embarrass them on a regular basis, maybe they'd we used start to, to step that. down and do remember that. Remember we used to do that? We, used to have, uh, we did. We, remember the flying pigs? The, they, yeah, yeah. We had a flying pig. It was on. <laughs> we, he would go past uh, that, that cut out of Austin Powers, and, and it was on the end of like yeah. a, 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 a string. Stack would carry him on a, on a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We don't do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. We've been around a while. Joining us right now to talk more about the relief bill, what's in it, what's not, what this all means, is Tom Friedman. He's the New York Times foreign affairs columnist. He's also the author of Thank You for Being Late. And his latest column in today's New York Times is titled, Will Trump Force Principled Conservatives to Start Their Own Party? I hope so. Well, Tom, you may be getting more of your wish on this. Um, <laughs> the president's move on this does put Republicans in a, in a pretty difficult position. What do they do? Well, you know, it really is a problem, Becky, because as you guys have talked about earlier this morning, um, McConnell really wants this stimulus bill through now uh, because um, in Georgia, the two Republican senators there um, running for reelection have been hammered by the Democrats uh, over their party standing in the way of a stimulus bill. Uh, and uh, right now, the, if you look at the latest polling from there, both the Democratic, uh, you know, contenders are, are, are leading. So. Uh, obviously, McConnell has a big challenge there. Um, I really don't know what he's going to do. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'm sure right now there's furious negotiations with the White House uh, asking the president, what the hell are you doing? Um, wh where do you think this is going to go? And uh, the fact that the president made this announcement last night, effectively, if you read the stories, they're so bizarre, sort of slipping out of his office, you know, with a tiny film crew going down to the basement of the White House, um, you know, filming this this announcement and then throwing it out into the public uh, with, with zero consultation. Um, yeah, the whole thing is just so suboptimal. Um, you know, the, the, this isn't just watching the sausage being made. This is, this is just so suboptimal for a serious country in the middle of its worst public health crisis uh, in its life. You know, I, I, it's a fool's errand to try and figure out what happens next, but I'll ask you anyway. What, do, do you think that something gets passed before the holidays before the end of the year. I mean, this it's not just this that matters, but the, the spending bill that's keeping the government open right now was was part of this, too. The, the you know, bill to, was tied yeah. to that. I have to believe it will, Becky, because um, uh, the, the moment is so critical. You know, we're, we're about to go into, um, I think, a much deeper and darker month of the pandemic. Um, we have so many people whose relief is running out um, and are truly, truly hurting. So I have to believe at the end of the day, the power and logic of those two things will produce a bill. Um, uh, uh, it will produce another compromise. I can't tell you what the contours of it are, though. Earlier this month, you spent an hour speaking with uh, President-elect Biden, and, and he laid out his thoughts for what he'd like to do uh, during, during his term. What, what struck you as the most important things, the, the things that our viewers would care the most about? You know, Becky, I think one of the most interesting things is his approach to China, and it happens to be very relevant this morning. Um, you know, basically what, what Biden said is that um, he's not going to try to tackle the whole China market access issue uh, as a bilateral issue between the U.S. and China. What he's going to try to do is leverage uh, both our Asia-Pacific allies and the European Union. 
Uh, and I would say the Chinese read that column very closely because you may have noticed uh, this morning in Europe, uh, they, they announced that they're close to a deal with the European Union to have their own bilateral trade access agreement with the EU. Uh, the deal is not done. And Biden last night, uh, his aides tweeted out to, you, to the EU, hey, hold on, don't go there. So what you see, what the Chinese are doing, this is very important for every American company. They understand the thing they fear most, the thing they knew Trump could never organize was a global coalition against them. They think Biden can, and Biden has declared, uh, as in my interview, that he intends to. And so the Chinese are trying to divide right now, uh, basically, the, the two great global economic centers, the EU and the United States, to make sure they can't gang up against China. So what's playing out here is very, very important. The EU, what will their response be? Uh, it's not it's not clear because there's a lot of division in the EU back between uh, the Germans looking they were offered. The Chinese are very smart about this. You know, they gave Germans uh, unprecedented access for German automobile exports. And, um, uh, and and so that but there are other issues that other EU countries care about. So there's tension in the EU here over this. But you can see what the Chinese are going to be doing is offering incredible goodies to anyone, you know, who won't line up with the Americans in a global market access coalition against them. Mm. Hey, Tom, let's talk more about the vaccines, the rollout, how things are going. And as you mentioned, it's anticipated that it's going to be some dark days ahead of us still. Um, where do you think we're doing? I mean, great news just announced this morning that the United States and Pfizer have struck a deal for an additional 100 million doses of that vaccine to come. There are other vaccines that could get approved in the next month or so, we hope. Um, how are we doing so far? You know, Becky, you know, one of the things I learned writing about in my last book about Moore's Law is the power of an exponential. It's really hard for the average person to, in their mind, grasp when something grows exponentially. You know, two, four, eight, you know, and it just, it grows so fast. Well, it's not only about microchips, it's also about a virus. And um, when you have the numbers we're reaching now, you know, 200, 250,000 new cases every day, and each one multiplying. Then you factor in the idea that we may see a variant of the virus that spreads even more easily. Then you factor in right now, the hospitals in California announced this morning, I mean, they're, many of them are just completely overwhelmed. We've got, we've got pop-up emergency rooms, you know, uh, people you know, doing surgery in, in, in um, you know, storage areas. It's really frightening. That's the, that's the spillover from Thanksgiving. Now amplify that, you know, you pick up the times, you know, yesterday I read about record number of travelers, I mean, compared to, you know, earlier parts of this year. And, and January is going to be just, it's going to be hell on wheels. I mean, I, I don't know that there's anything we can do to stop that at this point. It, it, it feels like yeah. we've kind of already it, it, laid it, the, it, the path at this point for what yeah. we're going to see. We've just never been through something like this before, this kind of exponential around a virus. And it's all going to be happening when we're going through a transition in our national government um, with a president reluctant to leave. And so uh, I think the amount of instability we're in for, and from the CNBC point of view, for markets to sort through all of this and try to, to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, I still believe, you know, the great news today, uh, you know, Joe was talking about this earlier, but, you know, we're going to have Johnson Johnson, we're going to have AstraZeneca. It would be fantastic. But I'm, I'm 67 um, uh, and, and I'm probably the second big group, you know, cohort. Um, that, that's probably not till the end of February, maybe March for me. You know what I mean? So 
um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to stick it out. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. But God, when you think of people who, who, who now have run out of money, basically, or you know, facing eviction, um, the next two months could be really, I mean, uh, unprecedented in terms of the pain uh, on a lot of people in this country. Tom, the, uh, I can remember back in the lab. When I was in the lab, we would seed a, some agar with, or, or a, a solution with one, you know, not one, but minimal amount of bacteria, and then we'd grow it, and it grows exponentially. And the word was within two and a half days, if it was left, if it had plenty of, of things to live on, the entire planet would be covered by like eight feet of that bacteria. <laughs> that, that's how it worked. The yeah. thing that stops it, though, is that it can't, do that because it doesn't have the, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't have the food, doesn't have the room, doesn't. It, there's there's constraints on it, and thank God there are some constraints on the virus because if you do the exponential math on where we'd be already since the beginning of the pandemic to where we'd be, thankfully we are not there. So we, we have done some things and we can still do some things. I'm just worried about, just worried about Christmas, I guess, and yeah. and, uh, and what happened after Thanksgiving, and it, it's just such a weird thing to watch as the the vaccine rollout is running headlong into what's going to be probably the worst period for, for transmission. It's weird, isn't it, to watch? I, mean, I just wish yeah. I wish one would just go a little bit faster. Not, I mean, <laughs> I wish the vaccine part yeah. would go a little bit faster. No, no, no hope for, for anything like that, Tom, the, to where it, it, the dark, I, I, I just, we've heard dark days are still coming for so long. I guess I just don't want to, don't want to hear it. I, well, your mind fights against it, Joe, because of, of we aren't, you know, we, we've never been up against this kind of uh, force from the natural not world. Not in our lives. Yeah. Not there have been, exactly. been some worse and, things. At least we got guys sequencing the, the genome in a day and a half and, and making something to, I mean, you know about the science of yeah. this. Think, think where we were with polio. We were flying totally blind trying to figure that out. I mean, again, you know, it gets to something um, uh, I mentioned once before, I think, on the show, is that I think, Joe, that we are on the cusp of an amazing era of creative destruction, um, uh, of Schumpeterian creative destruction. Right. Why is Well, never have more people had cheap tools of innovation. Never have more people had access to the most high-powered computing through the cloud. Singularity, never, Tom. Singularity. Yeah, we got. We got. We got to live a little. We got to. We, I think each of us have to live about. Can we go forty? We got to go forty years, and then we might make it to the to the singularity where we we can be half machine, half man, and live forever. You want to do that? I don't um, know. Maybe I, we don't. I don't want to do that, but I'm very excited. Think of all the columns. You, you'd be. You'd have. To, you'd have so many columns. You'd be. You'd want to. You know. You, you wouldn't want to live on deadline still. All I know is going to be a lot of amazing innovation after this pandemic. And yeah. um, uh, uh, it is going to destroy a lot of businesses, but it's going to accelerate and spawn, I think, amazing new opportunities, too. Should be, yep. especially in, in medicine and uh, Alzheimer's, cancer, diabetes, all the, all the chronic things. The only thing we might not cure is old age. That's the only problem. Tom, thank you for joining us. Happy holidays. Anytime, you guys. Be well. All right. We'll see you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, COVID's new, more contagious variant and waiting out the dark days ahead with Dr. Atul Gawande. We're in for still the surges for another few weeks. We're at 300,000 deaths. Already the next 100,000 deaths are baked in with new infections in the last week or so. So it's really about can we avoid the 500,000 deaths, um, which is just horrifying to even think about. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Becky Quick. This is breaking news, and this is important. The White House and Pfizer have actually struck that deal that would see Pfizer provide 100 million additional doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. That deal was just announced moments ago. We were hearing about this last night from Meg Terrell that uh, this was likely to get announced as early as today, but it's actually a done deal now. Pfizer already had a deal to deliver 100 million doses by the end of March. This is for an additional 100 million doses that I think most of them will be coming in the second quarter. I haven't seen all of the details on this because, again, the news is just crossing. But, Joe, again, this is just leading us down that path where we are getting lots and lots of vaccines. This is great news because you're going to have Moderna uh, that's rolling out a ton of vaccines. You could see AstraZeneca or J&J get one of their vaccines passed as well and approved. And if that's the case, you're going to be talking about a lot of vaccines that are coming on the market in the very near future. And that would be fantastic news. But this is uh, very good to hear, not just for the markets, but for the American people and for, for hope that we can get through this faster, that there is another deal struck between the White House and Pfizer for an additional 100 million doses of that vaccine. Time, time, I, I, it's weird because I can make both cases. Time has been crawling in 2020, but it's also time goes really quickly. Uh, because I've been back here yeah. eight months, Becky, at the, at the NASDAQ. I can remember thinking, wow, do I really want to yeah. do that? And it's been eight months uh, uh, back. I mean, I've been off a couple of times when I left and had to quarantine, but that, it was April 20th. So that went quickly. So I'm thinking three months will go by and we'll be getting this thing. We'll be getting this thing. And, and, and I, yeah. I mean, I can't it can't come fast enough. But and, and hopefully J&J's got a, a lot, like Kramer's been saying, and, and uh, be great to have a lot of vaccine so everyone, uh, you, you know, that wants it can get it. And, and it'll happen. You know, someone will, you know, you'll hear that down at a, a Walgreens. Oh, yeah, they got vaccines. And that day will come. Just and we got to get, uh, like in March, we need to get through March of 2020 before we could get to April. And then once we got to April, it became December. So it's crazy. <laughs> right. Right. Although it still feels like March in some ways, too. But you're it right. A uh, couple more months if we can get to, just get through this. Um, these, this is really promising, really fantastic news. Joining us right now to talk about more about what this means for virus testing and the vaccine is Dr. Atul Gawande. He's a surgeon at Brigham and Women's Hospital. He's also a staff writer for The New Yorker, and he's a member of President-elect Biden's COVID advisory board. And Dr. Gawande, it's good to see you. Thanks for being with us today. Delighted to be. We, we've been concerned this week hearing about this new strain that, that's uh, been circulating pretty rapidly in the UK. CDC says it's probably here undetected. And, and, I mean, I think it's probably hard to argue against that, right? That's right. I, I am concerned, and it likely is here. We have not got a, uh, the genotyping, the testing deployed widely enough to know whether it's here, but I think that's happening now from what the CDC indicates in the next couple of weeks. What what does that mean just in terms of how we, we handle this, what, what the numbers are going to look like from here? Um, President-elect Biden saying yesterday that the darkest days are, are ahead of us still. Yeah, here's what to understand about the um, this potential, they call it a variant of concern. Um, this viral mutation 
seems to drive a faster spread. It takes less virus to cause an infection. Um, at a time where we already are at skyrocketing infection with millions of people infected, um, the measures we normally take will be slightly less effective in stopping it at a time when our hospitals are already um, in more than a third of the country full to overflowing. So um, the main concern is that it will accelerate uh, the surge on surge that we've been having and extend the period of um, hospitalization and, and death rates that we've been seeing. What do we do about it? It's still the same practices that really work. It's just it requires an even higher level of vigilance if, if this does prove to be, and, and there's a lot more evidence that this transmits more efficiently. Now, it does not appear to cause, as of this moment, and there's still, you know, more monitoring to do, but it does not seem to cause increased death, increased serious illness. Um, and so the main concern is that it's just e even more easily spread. You know, there, there's a lot of statistics that we've been running through. I, I heard one earlier this morning about how shopping mall traffic is, is down significantly from where we were, maybe down 40 percent from a year ago. But then anecdotally, you see things like pictures of, of local malls where there are big crowds in the food courts or other places. Um, or at, at Newark Airport, Brian Sullivan, one of our anchors, was traveling last weekend and tweeted out some pictures where people were crammed on top of each other for, it seemed like, miles trying to go through security. Are we doing this right or not? Um, well, there's certainly signs that people are doing a lot better than a month ago. We see mask use up. We see people uh, restricting how much they're indoors, cutting down on eating with people outside their household, uh, in, in uh, restaurants and bars, and that just has to happen, and that is increasingly happening. And so we're seeing uh, in places that had skyrocketing levels, they're starting to come down in many parts of the country. But there are other parts of the country where it clearly is uh, we're behind, behind the eight ball. Um, behavior's starting to change, but it's extremely hard around the holidays, and, um, and I think we're in for still the surges for another few weeks. We're at 300,000 deaths already, um, the next 100,000 deaths are baked in with new infections in the last week or so. So it's really about can we avoid the 500,000 deaths, um, which is just horrifying to even think about. Yeah. You're involved with the Moderna trial. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess you, you're part of that and have gotten either, you don't know if it's the, the actual vaccination or, or, or the placebo? That's right. I'm, I'm not involved in running the trial. I'm a, I'm a patient in the trial. My mother uh, at 84 uh, said, I want to give back. And so she signed up for the trial. And I said, if my mom can do that, well, then I'll sign up for a vaccine trial. Happened to be uh, Moderna available in our area. And, uh, and so I took the, um, I entered the trial. I received a shot, but don't know if it's the placebo or if it's the vaccine. And, uh, and, and happy to wait and find out. <laughs> how long ago did you get the shot and how'd you feel afterwards? Well, so the first shot was in August, felt almost nothing. Uh, the second shot, which is the booster, comes 28 days after the first. So I got that in late September. And that one really knocked me down. I mean, two days later, I had fever, chills, and then, um, and, you know, needed to stay home. I don't think it's been, uh, I, I haven't needed to take a day out from my surgery practice or my public health work for 
more than a year, I, I get let anything, I, I barely ever let anything knock me down, but that one knocked me down. And, uh, and then about 24 hours later, um, I was back on my feet and doing okay. So, you know, it does, uh, for a lot of people, a high percentage, especially uh, younger people under 65, um, you do seem to have with these vaccines a significant reaction. Uh, that's the immune system kicking in and your antibodies being generated to the virus. And um, uh, now, I think that tells me I might have received it. Uh, honestly, it may well be that I had a placebo and I just imagine, you know, I had that reaction. How'd your mom do with it? My mom, uh, you know, so we, of course, have compared notes and, and she had barely any reaction. Um, uh, now, in the uh, elderly, you see less than half having a major or significant reaction. So, you know, we don't know what to make of it. About 20 percent, 15, well, I'm going to get the percentages wrong, but there was a significant percentage in the placebo group who had these reactions. <laughs> and so um, hmm. it is interesting psychologically to see how it plays out. But, you know, we're both sitting here thinking, hmm, <laughs> my mom may not have gotten it, and I did, and, and yeah. ironically, of all things. Uh, so that's <laughs> At least you 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 admitted it, but that is kind of it, that would be humorous. You got to admit, you know, your, totally your elderly right. mother probably I'm got it and felt you, nothing. I, you got the placebo. Oh, oh! oh. <laughs> I mean, if that, I would, you got to report to back. If, my, you can bet my mom is the one who wants to get unblinded and find out. You know, you, you got to if that if you find that out, you got to come. No, actually, you can't. You can't come back and tell us that because be laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Atul, the, the, the good news, though, in terms of this new virus strain in the U.K., the best guesses are that it, it, the, these vaccines will still be effective against these new strains, too, right? Yeah. The preliminary indications are that um, uh, it drives the, still an immune reaction. Moderna and Pfizer are now conducting tests to confirm um, uh immunogenicity and immune reaction uh, that, that generates the effectiveness of the vaccine. Um, and we have reason to believe this will be the case. But I, again, this is just the early days of doing testing. We have, you know, 2020, <laughs> things, things keep coming out of the woodwork that, that, uh, that show, you know, the fight is harder than we uh, ever th uh, keep thinking. Um, but I am hopeful on that score. I'm concerned. I have clear concerns that it is uh, highly transmissible, much, much more easily spread. Dr. Gawanda, thank you. Thank you for your time today. Um, we always appreciate seeing you. Happy holidays. And, and we'll see you back here soon. Thank you. Next on Squawk Pod, it's the most wonderful time for e-commerce giants, head of the sports swag company Fanatics on pandemic holiday shopping. The most interesting thing was that demand could have even been better if the shipping networks just had more capacity. There's so much pressure on these shipping networks this year. Plus, who's the best-selling sports team this season? I don't think I'm going to be able to get this. Uh, the Bengals. Definitely not. Bet you won't get it. We're back after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. 
FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Joe. Maybe it was one of the bright side, Becky is, and good morning and welcome back, is that if it had been three months, we, you know, we wouldn't appreciate every single thing that happens in the year. Now, every single thing we've, we've been sort of, we, we've missed out on uh, for an entire well, year. I, so that's maybe what I was we'll, saying is that. Everybody's missed a birthday. Everybody's missed an anniversary. Everybody's missed a graduation or at least a step up from whatever grade you were in. Mm -hmm. It's like the great equalizer. Um, Every one of the kids got, you know, hosed on something. Yep. But one of the biggest shopping weeks of the year, consumers are leaning on e-commerce to deliver for the holidays. E-marketer projects. Uh, projects online sales will grow more than 30 percent this year. Joining us now, Michael Rubin, executive chairman of Fanatics. Michael, uh, we're going to get to your new partnership with Barnes & Noble Education. We're going to do that. Uh, we had plans earlier. Things happened. But first, we want to ask you about retail in the final push before Christmas. Who's, what's the biggest selling jersey? What else is going on? Uh, anything else going on in, in the NBA? Did I miss something? Did the, are we playing again? How are the Sixers looking? Start, start and go wherever you want. Sure. Well, first off, it's definitely e-commerce, as I think everybody knows, has been terrific. I think we definitely skipped ahead two or three years uh, forward from an e-commerce perspective. I think in general, retail has been pretty strong, too. One big difference this holiday season is there's been so much pressure on the different shipping networks to deliver. I think there was even more demand that could have been had. So as good as business is, it could have been even better. And that's, I think, something that's pretty interesting. Uh, from our business, I think uh, it's been very broad-based. Joe, I'll ask you a question. You're generally very good knowing what teams the best and what the best players are. What do you think the number one selling team is today uh, across our entire business? You mean uh, across all sports? All sports. And don't get this wrong. There's big pressure on you. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to get this. Uh, you know the answer, and you're generally so good. The Bengals. Definitely not even a possibility. No team you're ever a fan of will ever be the number one team, but it starts with the same first initial. It's the no Buffalo the Bills. Browns? The Buffalo Bills are the number <laughs> one team. I would have never gotten that. I would have never got. I, might have, I would have said the Browns before that because all the excitement about the... Uh, yeah, no, uh, Buffalo Bills since Saturday have been the number one team. They've actually done more business this week than number two, three, and four combined. I would have I never gotten that. for about 25 years. Dodgers doing great. Lakers doing great. Chiefs, Steelers, Cowboys... Uh, but the Bills were a big surprise. I thought it was the first time I could ever stump you on what the hottest team was. That I would not have. I still think, you know, I'm still thinking of, of Mahomes and, and, uh, and Brady, I think, is probably making a Mahomes and Brady are number one and two. Nothing changes. Uh, it's always Tommy, number one or two, and, and Mahomes, number one and two. So they're doing great. Also, LeBron, two is new to the list. He's performing really well. Mookie Betts continues to do uh, great as well. Those are the top five selling jerseys today. But overall, back to your overall question, I think, E-commerce, you're going to see 30% plus across the board. Uh, we had a terrific year. Uh, but again, the most interesting thing was that demand could have even been better. 
if the shipping networks just had more capacity, but with Corona to, uh, delivering uh, vaccines for the first time, there's so much pressure on these shipping networks this year. Still thinking about Buffalo, I guess. You think that they could they could do it, you think? And remember in the old days, it, it, it was sad. Jim Kelly, they'd get there, and, and, and it had never happened. So you think they could do it this year? Who, who do you think? I don't know if they could do it, but I can tell you one thing. Buffalo Bills fans are really excited this week. Um, the Lakers fans and the Dodgers fans had been our top teams. The Bills fans came out and said, we haven't been here for 25 years. We're going to show you how excited we are and how much we care. And they've opened their wallets up in a big way. When you said it begins with a B, I almost said Barnes and Noble, just to give you a, a, a really good segue uh, in, into, into this partnership. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're super excited. You know, for us at Fanatics and Lids, together with Barnes and Noble, what we want to do is create the single best experience for the 775 universities that Barnes and Noble Education works with, and also for their college students. So what we're really doing is leveraging three great companies coming together to improve the experience for again, college students and 775 universities, we're all pressure to make more money and want to innovate. We're going to take all the e-commerce capabilities of Fanatics and put it behind um, the 775 universities to help them have the single best offering, better technology, better mobile, uh, broader assortment, enhanced CRM marketing. Um, Liz, which is the number one retailer of licensed sports stores, uh, understands the young consumer, bringing that to the college campus. But Barnes & Noble Education is a company we've admired for a long time, operating 775 campus stores. And for us to work together um, to strengthen the, the offering, to, to benefit the students, something I think is going to be terrific. And, you know, it's a great company. Mike Hughes being the team have done, done a really interesting job. I think the company has kind of been under understood. And so from my perspective, we looked at it and said, we thought we could really work together to, uh, to strengthen this offering. Well, when it rains, it pours uh, in terms of sports. I don't know if you looked at, at what's on today. And, and um, I mean, if you want to, uh, I guess it's coming all the way back, Michael. Can you tell me when, 20, when in 2021, I guess the vaccine rolls out, do, do the ratings immediately come back or, or is it fragmented from streaming and all these other outlets? What's really going on? Yeah, well, I, I think a couple of things happen. First is the shift in calendars definitely confuse sports fans, I think. In general, going back to a more normalized calendar, I think it's going to help ratings. In addition, what I always talk about, it's so difficult to look at a television rating only. Again, that is the same thing of looking at a brick-and-mortar retailer sales without looking at e-commerce. Today, you know, I consume most of my sports clips through social media. Um, I think you need to look at all media uh, pieces uh, cobbled together into one number. So I don't think, I think there's always going to be pressure on the, broadcast television partner media ratings because social media, digital consumption continue to get bigger and bigger. But I do think in general, um, sports are going to have, um, you know, look, fans want their sports. I think there's going to be tremendous consumption. I do think it's going to be exciting in the second half of the year to get fans back in the stands and with more normality and kind of return to some level of what the new new is. Really quickly, You've got more eyeballs that are coming from social media networks. Are those as profitable or is it a losing proposition just in terms of profits? You know, I think today the dollars received from social media um, eyeballs definitely smaller than traditional broadcast. But that's our job as entrepreneurs and innovators to figure out how to do more interesting things. The way you can communicate with a fan one by one is so much more interesting via digital media and social media than it is through traditional broadcast TV. So today it's smaller over time, I think. The sports leagues, teams, ownership, figure out how to create a better experience and actually make more money from that long term. All right. Thanks, Mike.
That's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening today, as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you're listening right now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow, Christmas Eve. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.